This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Love earplugs. These two fluffy puffballs are for you to nestle into your glorious ears, to protect you from the static, the insidious buzz of gossip, vile words that sting your eardrums and pollute your heart. Collect yourself in your inner sanctuary, your spacious cavern, fortified by peace, illuminated by laughter. Insert your earplugs anytime you want. To mute the raging world, to dissolve completely into your own symphony of love. Valeria Tellis interviews Karina Shea. Karina wrote the book Loving Yourself Into Being, poems on self-love and compassion with the intention of displaying various aspects of love and cultivating your own self-love and compassion so that you awaken to the magic within yourself and your life. These poems are there when you want to feel loved or remember your own deep capacity for compassion, kindness, and love. They are designed to dance playfully across the pages, to bypass your brain and nestle into your heart. Karina Shea grew up in Oakland, California. She studied psychology at Harvard and worked as a happiness engineer in Silicon Valley before backpacking solo around the world for one and a half years to cultivate her own self-love and compassion. She craves exponential growth and perpetually follows love, especially self-love, as her North Star. When she's not writing, you can find her dancing, singing, traveling, teaching fitness classes, or unmasking miracles hidden in plain sight. Here is the interview with Karina Shea. In your own words, who is Karina Shea? Great question. Karina Shea is a creatrix, poet, happiness engineer, and explorer, creating self-love and compassion in the world. That's wonderful. Thank you. So I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, Loving Yourself into Being, Poems on Self-Love and Compassion. So my first warm-up question is, what is life? Life is an experience to discover all facets of ourselves, to connect with others and bring joy and happiness into being. Mm. 
What do you think is the opposite of life, Karina? I think the opposite of life is when we stop growing or trying, where we stay stagnant and disconnect from others. Mm, yeah, I like that. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom is leading from the heart, letting your heart guide one rather than the brain and letting yourself flow however you're meant to go rather than going with the tides of society. I love that. Letting yourself flow. Yeah, that could mean so many things. Do you connect flow with uh, intuition? Absolutely. I think it's when you're in flow, that's guided by your intuition or heart, whatever is sort of internal to yourself rather than leading from an external source or following something else outside of you. And this is such a challenge, right? To do for most of us. It has been in my life mm-hmm. and so many people because we have this conditioning of looking for right. approval and always um, trying to please others, which is wonderful too, isn't it? What is the world's greatest need? I think it's love and connection. <laughs> there are two, but they're combined. And I think so many of our problems are based on disconnection or where we've self-isolated or created these barriers with others. And so if we can reconnect and th- again, that stems from love, first connecting with ourselves so we can fully connect with others. Yeah. Right. What is love to you? <laughs> it's funny. It's like asking a fish what water is or a bird what air is. It, <laughs> it flows within us. I think it's energy and it flows in and out. Sometimes it can get stagnant or stuck within us. Or again, we can forget that we are love or others are love, but it's the energy that flows between each person through each being animal. And it, again, it's, I'm going to just keep going with this idea of flowing, um, but it has this um, elegant, uh, fluid nature. Mm, Yeah. Where, what, and who is God? I believe people have different words in different areas, cultures, um, or religions for God. In my perspective, I think God is the same as the source or the universe or this collective consciousness. And so it's not just one term, but it's like, again, the field of energy that is all around us. What do you think is the purpose of life? The purpose of life, I think, is to tap into your heart to lead with joy and love and find that joy and connect with others' joy so that you reflect each other and mirror that love back to each other. Mm, yeah. So let's talk about self-love, my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. What is your definition of self-love? I think it's rediscovering yourself as you were from the beginning. I like to think of ourselves as David in a slab of marble where we've forgotten our true selves and we've like thrown mud and everything else on top of us thinking that we are not good enough and like unpure and everything. And then we just have to chisel away everything that isn't us to get to our core or center. And when we're chiseling away, that is all the self-love practice and compassion so that we get to our pure loving center. This self-love, do you think, is a um, awareness, understanding for life or a practice, a daily practice? I think it's a daily practice. It's an understanding of life, but that's conceptual. And I think it's the physical daily practices and thoughts that we think about ourselves and others that really 
affects us. And that's the chiseling away to get to our center. Yeah. So in a way, it's unlearning more than learning, right, Karina? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I often ask this question, when do we know when we are practicing self-love and when do we know when we are practicing selfishness? For me, I feel it in a different part of my body. Like I'm very much centered in my body and I can feel different parts with different emotions. And when I'm practicing self-love, I feel an expansion in my chest and it's sort of like a heart opening feeling. And selfishness, I feel a tightening in my gut and it's things are contracting where I, I know I'm not being my best self and I could be doing better. And so that's where the contraction feeling goes. And I kind of feel myself getting smaller. Whereas self-love, I expand and my chest opens up, I become bigger. Oh, that's, yeah, that makes so much sense to me. So we can feel in the body when this is happening. Do you see any difference when you are practicing feeling self-love and also giving love or being loved by others? I think of love as a circuit. It's like we send this love outwards to others. And usually we send it out without practicing that self-love to bring it back to ourselves. So we just get more and more drained because it's only going outwards. But we, when you feel that circuit complete by loving yourself and bring that love back in, that's where you'll be refueled. And then you can continuously love and love yourself and it'll just keep going in this, um, this cycle. So the foundation self-love, isn't it? For love, we can't really give what we don't have. Exactly. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. We'll be depleted and won't truly know the depths of our love until we love ourselves. Mm, oh, wow. So true. And so true. What is a miracle to you? <laughs> a great question. I have actually... I thought I had thought so much about miracles and the third part of my book is titled Miracles because I think there are miracles all over that we don't see and there so I call those everyday miracles but they're hidden in plain sight and so it's something that you it just like births so much joy from you I have a this term I call bliss points which is basically when you feel so much overflowing joy it floods over your body and you can't contain it. And you're just filled with giddiness and happiness. It washes over you. And I think that we can have these miracles by... Uh, there, if you look anywhere, you can see them and you'll just feel this bliss point. And it could just be if you're like doing laundry or if you're like kneading bread and noticing how miraculous that you're making bread out of flour and water and or seeing a flower bloom. And so there are all these little moments. And I think we just forget to see them. Wow. Yeah, that is an interesting perspective, a way of defining, describing miracles as the happening, what's happening in front of us, that's a gift, that's wonderful. But if we are not paying attention, we cannot see it. It's not possible to see it. I like that. Yeah. Being almost like a perspective, seeing everything is new. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like you're seeing everything as a newborn baby. You take the filters off and you're like, everything's bright and technicolor and you're like wow i'd never saw that color green before yeah it is wonderful isn't it karina wow uh, so how did you discover self-love and compassion it's taken a long process it, and it's a daily practice but it first really happened when i decided to quit my job in tech as a happiness engineer and backpack around the world solo for a year and a half five years ago and I decided to do that trip 
because one of the biggest impetuses was that I didn't believe I was lovable or deserved love. And I knew that sounded crazy because I have such a loving family and friends and a great network. But I, for some reason, didn't think that I deserved any of that love. And I knew I needed to figure out how to love myself for me to like become my best self and make a big difference in this world. Wow. And so in embarking on this, on this travel, every day was just honoring myself and walking out the door and seeing, okay, should I turn right or left? And then just seeing what happened and exploring because I, by nature, am a planner and I, I breathe planning. <laughs> and so I had to basically go the opposite of what was my instinct and just let myself be and be spontaneous. So it was almost like for spontaneity <laughs> yeah. to practice that compassion. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, again, daily just learning and being. Yeah, I know you talk about this in your website learning <laughs> resilience and strength mm, awesome. mm -hmm. throughout the backpacking solo that was interesting <laughs> yeah traveling is so amazing and i agree i'm just wondering here how can more people do this especially women maybe how can we explore um the way mm, you did mm -hmm. without fear <laughs> even before traveling i thought women a woman couldn't travel alone or it was too unsafe and then i check myself and ask myself, why do I assume this? And for me, I crave exponential growth. And so wherever, whatever I'm fearful of, I know if I head in that direction, that's where I'll get maximum growth. And so for this, I knew that if I was scared of traveling by myself, I needed to go there to prove to myself I could do it and not only survive, but thrive anywhere. Wow. So in a way, yeah, you mentioned that if, when we are afraid of something, we should just do it. That should become a challenge in a way. Mm -hmm. And I, that's not to say for everything. Like if right. you're running towards a cheetah, I think there's right. certain things <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> that you can feel where you know you, there's some excitement around the edges. Like you know it, there's fear but anticipation and you know that you can become a bigger version of yourself if you embark on that journey. And for me, it's actually I look at my comfort zone and people say you step outside your comfort zone. But I consider it each step you're expanding your comfort zone. So you at the end will have this huge comfort zone where it's anything that you're you can walk in and do which you couldn't before. And so when you're on the like the edge and you're looking at uh, like over a precipice at a new fear or something, mm. that for me is like I'm diving into the unknown to expand my comfort zone. Oh, I never heard it that way. <laughs> yeah, expanded comfort zones. I love that, Karina. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That makes it, uh, for me, less scary and more inviting to do these new things. Right. That makes sense because now you have tried, you have experienced yeah, some of them. I like that, that idea. <laughs> I love that, actually. I never thought it oh, that I'm way. I'm so glad. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, I somehow just started thinking that way kind of to trick my own brain into doing these new things. Right. Because it is necessary, right? We have this yes. <laughs> negative bias. The body itself, it's extremely protective and will do anything to stop us from, from exploring, right? Almost anything. <laughs> so there's a quote on your website that reads, live life by design, not color by numbers. It to me means to be your own creator, be your own hero. 
and you can create anything. And so that is your life by design. And do you know those picture books, which are color by number, Yeah. which is like a one yeah. or red or something else. And that's basically yeah. going by someone else's structure mm. to follow the lines, color in what they say. And so I say, scrap all of that and you design it however you want, because it's your life. I love that. That's funny because <laughs> I didn't know about this. That's how much I know about this. The opposite <laughs> of not designing your uh, life, I guess. Color uh-huh. by numbers, right? Now that you say, I think I heard about it. I see, I saw it somewhere, <laughs> but I didn't make the connection. That's interesting. So you mentioned that traveling solo means being even more present and open. It is being in the moment with others. And I love this. And you said, uh, now we are creating a life by design. So why do you think this happens and not the opposite, as most of us think? Yeah, I think when we're traveling, we can meet other people in the present moment because we're not bringing any baggage. We're not bringing our past. We aren't telling them like our accolades or where we went to college or anything else. Are We're just there. We're just humans and we connect on a human level. And that's so rare because in society, in these cities, in our like any cultural bubble, you connect and then are talking about work or school or something else. And it's not something just you on a human level. Yeah. So I think that's something really, really special about traveling and connecting with others who are just there to like see the real you. And they know nothing about your past, nothing about your future. And so you can just be in this elongated now. Oh, wow. Yeah, it feels that way. You're right. Exploring <laughs> the new together. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we are, we're discovering ourselves as a new person and they are also getting to know us as a new person. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. It is very liberating. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Traveling alone. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. more people should do that. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the inspiration, the main inspiration to write the book, Loving Yourself Into Being? So I was actually writing a book on my travels. And then about a year and a half ago, I started waking up in the middle of the night and these poems would flow out in about five or 10 minutes. And this just happened more and more frequently until I kept collecting more poems. And I knew I needed to share these poems into the world because they were helping me with my own self-love and care. And I know others are craving this as well. And I shared a few with my close friends at the beginning, and they shared how much it resonated with them and impacted them and helped them make some pivotal decisions. And so just knowing that that was making a big impact on them, that there could be this ripple effect in helping others love themselves even deeper if I shared it into the world. Yeah. What is it about writing that it's so magical uh, in the sense of um, self-discovery and self-awareness and it's therapeutic too. What is about writing that makes us go deeper into ourselves? It's almost to me, like it feels like when we're writing, it's like the braille for the soul where it's like your soul gets to feel and have these extra added textures and we can share facets of ourselves with others and which resonate with them that they can't necessarily speak with their own words. And so then that way it reflects something new to another person uh, that they didn't even know about themselves. Yeah, it's just um, incredible. I cannot even, if I want to explain myself, I wouldn't be able. So thank you. <laughs> I shouldn't say anything <laughs> after that. <laughs> 
These are great questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about the soul and then you mentioned earlier, I think, about the heart, the heart centering, following the heart. What is the difference? Is there any difference between the, the soul, the heart, the higher self, the spirit, God? <laughs> I think people have different explanations and people have different beliefs on what the soul or heart or God are. For or me, I think that there's, so I have my soul and I believe in reincarnation so that I there are different lifetimes. So for me, there's, I have the soul that has experienced different lives, but then my heart is in this lifetime, but is leading me. It's almost like uh, my North Star. And so if I'm following my heart, then I'm going in the right direction because our brains can tell us anything and we can rationalize whatever we want, but our hearts, there's only one true answer. That is so true. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, how do we know when we are listening to the voice of the heart and our own beliefs or our wishes? I don't know, just uh, imagination. I have an exercise that one of my uh, healer friends told me. It's actually about listening to your heart or your intuition. And it's actually by asking yourself a question. There are two questions, but the first is to say, sorry, it's a statement. It's, you're going to tell yourself a statement, which is true and feel how it feels in your body. Like mine is, I am Karina. And in feeling that I feel an expansion in my chest again, and each person may have a different feeling in their bodies, but it, however that feels, that is your truth. And the other statement is something false. Like I could say, my name is Frank and my name are so then I feel this contraction in my my belly again. Whenever I feel a lie or something that's untrue, I feel this tightening. And so I can practice that with different statements or hearing things. And sometimes we can even hear the truth or falsity of someone else's. Right. And if you right. practice this, you will be able to tap into your heart even more and hear what is your truth. Yeah. So the body, it's a very good reference mm, right, mm -hmm. to know because you won't lie. Yet. Yes. It's been said, it's a cliche mm -hmm. that the body doesn't lie, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, there's such deep wisdom in our bodies that we've just forgotten. And we've been, again, told by society and education that it's our brains that know and our bodies don't. And so we've, we've forgotten all that wisdom that is housed within our souls and bodies. Uh, yeah, let's go back to it. <laughs> That's the work. <laughs> You've done it. You're doing it. I am. And uh, so many people I talk to. So one of these days we get there. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, when I read about you, you had a very interesting position, a job called uh, happiness engineer. <laughs> What was like to be a happiness engineer? <laughs> It's, it was really fun. I basically wore four hats. I was basically my company's happiness engineer, which meant that I was cultivating company culture by planning events, bringing in speakers, building our health and wellness program, and leading college recruiting. And so every day was different. On Wednesdays, we were making smoothies for everyone and had massages for them and yoga on Monday and Wednesdays. And so there were all these different layers. And it was so fun to learn these different aspects of work and life. And then after quitting my job, becoming my own happiness engineer and putting myself in my self-exploration first. Right. Wow. <laughs> that that sounds like a, a better position to have, <laughs> right? That one, putting yourself, yeah, your own happiness right. engineer. Right. 
So let's talk about some of your poems. I have lots of them here. <laughs> uh, some phrases, specific mm. phrases that caught my attention. One we already mentioned, the one about the body. In that poem, you wrote something that resonated. Let your body know it is safe. It is loved. It is whole. So that's really a wonderful thing, practice to engage in. I know self-love is the foundation. So how do we practice self-love? Yeah, absolutely. I used to wake up every morning and look and look at myself in the mirror and criticize what I thought were like problem parts, the parts that weren't good enough. And I did that for a long time when I didn't love myself. And now what I do, and this has been a practice I've done for the past few years, which has really shifted my relationship with my body and myself, is I'll look in the mirror when I wake up and I'll hold my body and say, I love you. I'll look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you. And thank you for housing my soul. Thank you for all the incredible things that you do every day. You're such a miracle. And just give myself this huge hug. <laughs> and so just that daily cultivation again of your own love and connection with yourself will transform your self-love, transform yourself. So I think it's, again, a daily practice. But I think on days where it's easy when we're feeling good and loving ourselves, I think it's really the practice comes in when we're feeling down on ourselves or have felt like we've been on this high path on of self-love and then somehow it falls away and we think we've regressed but it's an ebb and flow in life and those days where we're down on ourselves that's where it's extra important to practice that compassion and love yourself even deeper because that's really where the practice is and the magic happens when we love ourselves despite the pain or like how deep down we feel I like that. Do you also recommend other practices like eating healthy, exercising, meditation? <laughs> oh, completely. Yes. I I yes, all of them. They're huge and they're again daily ways that you can take care of yourself and kind of give yourself a big hug in meditation that's like giving your heart and your brain a hug and like working out that just you're refreshing your whole your body releasing all the tension and stress and eating well again you're nourishing yourself and if you are what you eat why not fill yourself up with all this goodness true yeah i like the idea of intuitive eating it's a term but it's uh this idea that we have this loving relationship with food too mm -hmm. so we are not afraid because that happens a lot that we have these ideas, we're not supposed to eat them, or not a lot of them, and then we become too obsessed with eating healthy all the time. And sometimes the body needs some chocolate. <laughs> Let's see. It does. Yes. Actually, I call myself in it oh. intuitarian. That's similar to intuitive eating. And again, the, I think the self-love and compassion part happens when we eat something we don't think we should have. And we can have that self-critical nature. And I practice with myself sometimes. If I feel like I've overeaten or something and I in the past would have berated myself for eating too much or eating something I shouldn't have, it's again, loving myself in the process and knowing that, okay, that was more fuel than I needed at the moment, but that's okay. I will just do something different next time. But you enjoyed what you ate and to appreciate 
the food, whatever I had then uh, for its nourishment and not, not again, judging myself or criticizing myself for any negatives, but just again, moving forward, this is how I'll go. Yeah. And that is very much part of um, unconditional love, mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. it? The non-judgmental state of mind. And that's what you talk about in your poem, Dear Heart. I love that <laughs> poem. You talk about unconditional self-love. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question, I do, do I have a question I asked you earlier about self-love becoming this um, understanding for life or a moment-to-moment daily practice? And we kind of agreed that it's a daily practice. Um, so I'm wondering if unconditional self-love is possible and really a realistic, let's say, goal to, um, to have before we die. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. think it's possible <laughs> that we can achieve that? Yeah, I believe we can. And it's, uh, it's like this summit we are always looking at. And or at least for myself, this is my goal. And I can keep checking in with the summit, but not just so far ahead that I miss all the pebbles or the rocks at my feet that I trip. Like I'll look 10 steps ahead and just practice ways of self-love and compassion daily. And then I will check in. Am I still going towards the summit? Am I, how am I on this journey? And each time I'll be closer, but, and if I'm off a few, uh, like if I'm a little off, I'll recalibrate, but that way it makes it less daunting because I'm just like looking 10 feet ahead rather than all the way at the top. And each time it's just like, you're working towards your goal and it gets easier and easier as you practice. Yeah. Yeah, so true. It becomes easier yeah, as we practice, I agree. In Heartbreak, you say something very interesting and a very important topic to talk about as well. You say, I embrace the pain. I feel it deep within my organs, deep within my bones. This pain shall pass. So my question is, how do we learn to embrace our pain rather Mm -hmm. than trying to escape from it. And what profound lessons have you learned from embracing your own pain? Mm, Wow, great question. Deep question. I think I used to numb out all negative emotions. I thought I had to be happy. And basically, I couldn't feel any of those sadness or anger or anything else. And I realized that that made me feel feel less whole or less human. And so if I embrace the pain and these feelings, it doesn't mean that I dwell or I'm stuck in them. It's more that I can feel it fully and let myself process it, grieve, and then I can move on. But if I don't process those feelings, they're stuck and they'll just be, they'll be bottled up within me and eat away at myself. But if I feel it and let it pass through, then I can move on. Yeah. And that's the truth. So why do you think so many of us do the opposite? We push it away and we... Because it's painful. We, we as humans don't want to feel that pain and we'd rather avoid it. But I think then we're running away from all of our fears and having more and more walls that we're avoiding. And so if we face them head on and really feel everything, then we pick up those facets of ourselves and become more whole too. Yeah, exactly. This is such an important topic to talk about over and over and over because we try to distract, find distractions. Mm -hmm. It's all about distracting ourselves from pain 
when we run away from sadness, we also run away from happiness. And that makes sense, right? Because by hiding, uh, not accepting parts of ourselves, we just hide everything. By not embracing one part, we hide everything else. Right. We lower our level to feel. Yeah, right. That's amazing. Um, I don't know exactly uh, the reason. I know it seems very obvious that we don't want to feel sadness or pain. One thing when I was backpacking, I used to also numb myself by always filling up my calendar and socializing so I never had to be alone or be with myself. For backpacking, I forced myself to be solo and just be alone that first week because I needed to practice to self-soothe and just be my own best friend. And so the first week I was in Bali and I was just crying in my Airbnb, crying in bed to myself, asking myself, why am I halfway around the world from all the people I love? And I'm so miserable. Like maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I should just go home. And I just had to sit with myself and be like, no, this is exactly where you're meant to be. You can feel, you can cry, just feel everything you need to feel now and feel it completely. And then I could soothe myself and then honor myself and be, I became my best friend. Oh, wow. And then from there, and then I could feel things even more and then connect with people on a deeper level because I could connect with it myself. Wow. You said something very powerful now. You became your own best friend. So now you're giving yes. the best advice to your own self. <laughs> that is mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah, this is the place we all ought to be, for sure. Talk to me about the message in holding up the sky and letting others hold up the sky as well. Mm. I have had always been a people pleaser and wanted to help others because I loved giving. But I realized and that I don't, I didn't let people help me because I didn't want them to feel burdened. But I realized that it's a gift to help. And I loved helping others so much, but I wasn't letting them feel that gift as well. And so I'd be holding up the sky, feeling so burdened by helping everybody else, but then making everyone feel small because they weren't, I wouldn't let them help me hold up the sky. And holding up the sky is such an incredible gift. You're really making a difference in the world. And so I realized that I could take off this burden and this loneliness feeling like I was the only one shouldering everything and giving this opportunity to others to also help me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing we don't do. We try to do everything and take responsibility for everything. Mm -hmm. And we don't share that with others. And, and sometimes they are waiting for us to do it. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a thank you, like I wouldn't even let people t thank me for something. I would think, no, 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 I didn't do that or something. But then that's not even receiving their gift of the thanks. And so now if someone thanks me for something, I will appreciate it and appreciate them fully for whatever gifts they're giving me. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of, that takes learning, at least for some of us. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so in Brainwash, you talk about clearing, cleansing our minds and creating space for new experiences and feelings that will make us glow. Um, my question is, what is the best way to do that? <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
I think meditation is a fantastic way of creating extra space by doing less. Wow. Doing less. That's your suggestion number one, Karina, doing less. What do we do when we have so much to do and they're all like great, amazing things? Mm, Well, if we have so many things, again, it's prioritizing. Having a list of, for me at least, I will prioritize what are the most important things I need to get done. And knowing that we will never get through everything. We're always going to have a to-do list and to be okay that sometimes we just need to be. And sometimes that beingness, being present and seeing someone else and being fully there with the person will make all the difference. That will mean more than doing all these other things on the checklist that we have. Yeah. So priority is the, the key. I agree. Are there other suggestions? Yeah. Uh, If you can, getting out in nature or sitting under a tree or hearing the birds sing, that can help. I think also writing, just like if you journal Mm, and just let your thoughts flow, whatever comes out, you don't need to censor them, but letting them come out. That's a great way of also unburdening the mind and letting your heart speak again, trusting yourself in that process. And gratitude is a huge one for me. And just, you could also write down three, five, 10 things that you are grateful for every day, whatever is the right number for you. But writing down things you're grateful for, then you'll see even more things you're grateful for. And all of these things are miracles. And then you'll just notice more and more miracles in your life. Yeah, I love the way you said it earlier about the simple things becoming miracles. Just they are actually, they don't become, it's just that we Mm -hmm. are able to see now because we have changed (laughs) our focus. So true. Mm -hmm. In paradise, you say, paradise lies within you, not without. And in the oatmeal life, you mentioned something similar, a statement that's similar. So my question is, uh, is paradise a choice here and now or a destination? I think it's a choice. It's within us. And we've created it as an external source, an external place that we have to get to, to attain. But it's actually, it's the choice and it's the active process of growing. And at least for myself, that is how I am like creating paradise within me. Yeah, It's not a, a place. Do you believe in life after death? Because that seems like a destination to me in a way when we have to believe in the lifetimes, like you have another life after this one. So this is a, where uh, you wanted to become better, better your life here. You understand it? So you, uh, you become, you reincarnate as a better human being or somehow a more evolved one. So I'm wondering if this idea has become a concept of destination for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually think of, each lifetime, we're learning something new. Our soul had wanted to experience something different. So it's not that each lifetime you're necessarily getting finishing this lifetime to achieve another lifetime. It's We could potentially, who knows, have multiple lifetimes running in tandem. And so we could have these experiences, learning something new in one lifetime and then learning something different on another. And so it's not that I'm trying to get to the next one to be better if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's not... In a very conceptual meta way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Right. 
that makes sense to me. It resonates. Talk to me about uh, being a human. H U E M A N. <laughs> Separate. <laughs> yeah, I think in the poem I'm sharing about how we're all these different facets of light, and so that's why we're all these different hues that make us human. And sort of similar to when we were discussing heartbreak and feeling all of our emotions, I feel like to be full humans, we need to have each facet of those emotions, the light from them, color our world. Because if we only saw the bright colors, we'd miss all the shadows or the shades, which make life so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a beautiful way of uh, picturing, visualizing the the human experience, right? (laughs) Yeah, like mm-hmm. a painting, colors. I love that, Karina. Very creative. And I love the way the, you, the book, yeah. you have these designs that sometimes the words become a graphic, a heart, in different shapes. And then sometimes you drop them. <laughs> it's like really <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. I created it all myself, which besides the Calla Lily on the front, which my friend Leslie Bodner painted. The poems I created because I love the idea that the words are dancing across the page and they'll land, they'll bypass your brain and land in your heart differently by the way you visually see them versus if they're in a normal set poem. Yeah, because it's structured, right? Like the brain's already used to. Yeah, I agree. Would you like to add anything or read a passage or a poem in your book before I ask you my final questions? <laughs> <laughs> I would be honored to read one. Let's see. How about, since I talked about miracles at the beginning, I'm going to read one about kneading as a kneading dough. You knead the dough, driving your palm in and out like a jellyfish floating in the sapphire sea. Each thrust ripples the dough cascading over your palm, melting back into itself. With each stroke, you expertly swivel the dough a a notch clockwise. There's a certain rhythm in this ebb and flow of dough waves, in and out, over and back. Your kneading is consistent, just like you need consistency. In an ephemeral world, shape-shifting each second, dough rhythms remind you to slow down, to remember the quiet, delicious moments that heal your body and nourish your soul. There's so much magic in the ordinary, Transforming flour and water into bread, cast your desires out into the world. Whatever you need, you can knead into life, birthing miracles with your open hands. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. It resonates so much with the heart. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. This is <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Karina, for your work. It's beautiful, really beautiful. Thank you so much, Valeria. So my final question is, how do you define success? What is to be successful to you? For me, success is knowing that I have helped others open up their hearts and connect with themselves. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? I think the hardest one, which took the most practice, was learning that I am lovable. I am love and I am lovable. Yeah, that's wonderful that this is a lesson learned, right? (laughs) And daily practice again. (laughs) Right, right. That's true. We learned the lesson, then we Mm -hmm. still have to practice. Life is not easy. (laughs) It can be simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) What is another word for healing? Another word for healing 
compassion. Mm, right. Yeah. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you change anything or do anything differently? No, I am extremely lucky. About a few years ago, I decided that every day after would be an extra credit day. And so I do my best to live every life, every day, like it's my last day to know that I'm doing the best I can. That's great. Yeah. That's another powerful statement to make, isn't it? Yeah. I could die now and that's okay. That's powerful. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Three things. One, we're all the same. All we want is to be seen and loved. Two, we will we are such strong, resilient people and we will get through everything. Three, we are love at our core. And so that is what will ultimately shine through. Hmm. Yeah. It has been a peaceful, fun, and beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Karina. Thank you so much, Valeria. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects. Yeah, thank you. You can find my book on Amazon. You can type in Loving Yourself Into Being with my name, Karina Shea. Shea, spelled as Happy Spirits in Every Home. You can find me on Instagram at Karina Shea underscore. I can send these to Valeria as well. And my website at KarinaShea.com and my email, thekarinashea at gmail.com. Really great. Thank you so much again, Karina. <laughs> and we'll talk soon. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Karina Shea, please visit her website, karinashea.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.